freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Huard. Huard. And Brooke Huard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. All right, let's go. It is Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports, 710com Yeah, podcast platform, Seattle Sports app. Yeah, all that stuff. I'm kind of bored. I know the show just started. I'm already bored. Watching the not hot Mariners. They're not hot. Yeah. Like, it'd be fun if the Mariners were to get hot. But just like another ho-hum, humdrum win, 7 nothing over the A's, over before it started. It's just kind of boring. Like, I'm, I miss exciting baseball. <laughs> It used to be around here, we'd come in, we'd have a lot to say, we'd have a lot to argue about. Some of us felt one way, others felt another way. We'd fight about it, we'd get angry, we'd have a lot. And now it's just kind of like, whatever, Mariners win again. What else is going on? Seahawks going to make cuts today or what? Because the Mariners, they just win. They're not worried about anything else. They just, you know, do they take care of business, they win, and kind of move on to the next thing. I'm bored. Up. I don't even want to do the next four hours. Can we just go home now? I got nothing to say. All this team does is win. They're too good. Another uh, game where I'm pulling my hair out against the Royals in ninth. <laughs> Thank you. Give me some of that DJ Khaled. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. He's too excited, though. He's making it sound like these are like exciting wins. They're not exciting. They just win. Get out of here, DJ Khaled. All right. <laughs> Wait, you're going to just leave the, the come on now? I was waiting He's for like, the mall. I was like, man, here. this is like the extended version where he really waits, makes you wait for it. <laughs> here he goes. Okay, man. Ready? There it is. All right, fine. I'll see if I can find some excitement today. DJ Khaled will bring me some, uh, some energy. Do you realize? So the Mariners this month, right? Well, over the course of the last little while here. They have won eight in a row twice. We know that, right? And now they've won four in a row. So it's fairly remarkable. That's 20 wins right there. The four wins that, sur- or the four losses, rather, that surround that are an extra innings lost to Chicago last week. You remember that game? Oh, they blew the it in the ninth, yeah. right? And then the weird JP throw. Head, yeah. uh, the Crazy comeback and then loss in the ninth to the Royals, seven to six, the first game against the Royals. The Baltimore five three in the tenth loss. Mm, yeah. And the Baltimore one nothing George Kirby complete game loss. Mm-hmm. If not for those four losses, if they had won those extra inning, now I know they didn't. I just wanted this is just a, a point to be made here. They would have won twenty four games in a row. <laughs> They are 20 and four in that stretch. They would have won 24 in a row. You know, it's even more than that, though. No, it's not. It's 24 in a row. Isn't that crazy? It's a little bit of a specific stat, but it is crazy. Well, again, it's not even a stat. (laughs) I don't mean to make it that. I was just trying to show. I know Julio says they're not hot, and obviously they're not. They're not hot. No. They're just good. They're not hot. It's fine. But (laughs) they would have won 24 games in a row. That would have been a lot. They didn't do that. It's fine. They lost some of those games. They do have some ninth inning issues. They do have a couple of little question marks about their pen. It's nice to see them score seven runs and just batter the hapless A's because you do want to rest brash as much as possible. You know, one thing I was going to say, we'll play you the Tom Verducci interview today at 630. And I I think Tom is great. 
Uh, and far be it from me to kind of poke holes because he's got a national perspective to look at. And one of the things he complimented Scott Service on was his ability to manage the pen, which, by the way, I completely agree with. I think Scott is amazing at, at running his pen. But he said, well, Scott's one of those guys who doesn't overuse anybody. And the one thing I think if you want to criticize Scott for anything this year, and I know there's people who like to criticize him for everything, but if you want, for me, one thing I would criticize, this is too much Matt Brash. Leading the league in appearances. I don't know if that's still true, but it was true as of a few days ago. That's the one thing you point to because right now, Brash does not look like Brash. And if that is part of the effect of having been relied on a little too much at times this year, yeah, I, I would understand that criticism. So a couple more of days. More Bobo, less Brash. Yes, more Bobo, less Brash. For now, not forever, just for now, just to kind of, yeah. you know, get the guy going again so he's not quote unquote banged up, as Jerry told us last week. I just, I just, um, I like seeing a few of these boring wins and they could use them. Seriously, they can. I know it's exciting. I love the seven to six, four to three, played an extra innings. Those are great. And you come in and you're pumped up and all that, but they could use a few just kind of offense does its thing. Starting pitcher like last night, Brian Wu was great. And you can throw Isaiah Campbell and Sacedo and some of those guys and just sort of cruise, cruise on. Yeah, yeah, you need a couple of cruise control games in order to help you out. So Wu was great yesterday. That was awesome to watch, to see him kind of get himself back. You know, it's funny. I was thinking back to about the Mariners record against the Rangers, who win again yesterday. Good for them. And I was thinking back to that series when they played the Rangers, which was... It, it wasn't rock bottom because that was the end of June, but it was pretty darn. It felt like it at the time, right? Marco had just gotten hurt and everyone else. Had, it was the first Brian Wu game. Do you remember that? When yeah, they called him up start. his debut and he got rocked. Oh, my gosh. Did he ever get destroyed? I remember it was one of those games. I was like following on my phone as I was going to the supermarket and I looked at the phone. just like, oh, dear Lord, this guy is not ready at all. We had talked him up, right? We had seen him down at spring training with his high legs and big old butt and all that. We're like, oh, this guy is going to be ready to go. He you looks... Huh? I, was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> you don't remember that? Oh, maybe that maybe it's just me. I don't know. He's got like he's a high waisted guy. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, he's sure. got like the long legs, big tall butt, way up like near his chest. And uh and and he didn't look good. If if he doesn't, I mean like that was one of those moments that kinda like yeah, he took two innings, six hundred runs. Right. And you're just like, Oh geez, they might they might not have it at the at this point. Well, obviously he's uh turned that turned that around, which has just been been awesome to see so yeah limited pitch count gets to go six gets to give you one of those cruising how about games. that right i mean now granted easy to do against the not easy easier to do against the a's easy, right yeah right exactly when your team goes out and puts a few runs up you don't have to worry about pitching around as much it would be uh it is interesting you know kind of thinking through where they're going to try to throw in another pitcher, right? Because that's been part of the conversation. Can they skip a start or so? Can they bring up a Malone or use a, uh, what's the kid's name? Luke Weaver here for, a, uh, by the way, I got a text from somebody about Luke Weaver the other day, somebody in the organization, because uh, I was asking who might make a start at some point, and Weaver's a possibility for that. But the person's phone auto-corrected to Seeger. <laughs> I was like, oh, Luke oh. do the Mariners have a Seeger? Like, I literally had to look up, like, Mariners pitcher Seeger just to see if I was missing somebody. I was like, nah, it's just an auto-correct. It was Weaver. But um, are we going to it, – it, tomorrow would kind of be the day for that? You know what I mean? Like, you're playing this A's team that just – I mean, God love them. They stink. 
They really do. It's it's not that they're like Chicago where they're like odious to watch. And it's not like Kansas City where their pitching is terrible, but the rest of the team is kind of frisky and fun and kind of growing. They're just a collection of players that don't belong in baseball, Major League Baseball. And it's sad. Like, I honestly, these three teams that they're playing, and we'll see what the Mets look like when we get to them here this weekend. But just looking at these three god-awful cellar dwellers, right? Kansas City, Chicago, and now Oakland, I get three completely different vibes. True. I watch Kansas City, and I'm like, hmm, fun, intriguing. Kind of wonder what they're going to look like next year. What if they added some pitching? They could be pretty good. And then I watch, and like they're trying hard, and they're out there, and they're like trying to make a name for themselves. Then I watch Chicago with a bunch of major leaguers on their team look like garbage. And you're just like, oh, P. Nobody cares. What a stink fest. And then I watch for, Oakland. For a second, the, the Mariners had a Keenan Middleton here, a uh, relief pitcher. And yes. He, he trashed them on the way out. Like, he just said oh, it's I didn't remember that. Yeah. Huh. I think he got traded at the trade deadline, and he just went off. I mean, they're terrible. And then you go, uh, and then you watch the A's last night. And you're just like, well, that's just not a major league team. Right? Kansas City's a major league team with bad pitching. And Chicago's a major league team with bad culture. Oakland's not a major league team. That's like a mediocre triple-A squad. They don't even really have big prospects on that team. It's just like, oh, bunch of dudes who they found lying on the street. Oh, they got to see this guy about some white walls. Like, I think this guy's dead. <laughs> Cross him off then. They're terrible. No so, wonder you weren't excited this morning. <laughs> well, I just, you watch that team. I, mean, I like, felt bad for him. But dear God, they're very bad. Like Ruiz is just the only thing they got going with the guy. Stealing like maybe six. Oh, the fast dude. Yeah, yeah, he's good. But and I mean, she's a fun shortstop, and that's about it. What a what a terrible team. So if you were going to throw in a Weaver or Tommy Malone or something like that, I wonder if tomorrow would be the day. The only thing is, it's not September, so you don't have the rosters expanded. So maybe that uh, doesn't end up working out that way. But just a, a thought that crossed my mind. I got so much Mariner stuff to say today. I got like three, four, five Mariner topics over the course of the morning. We're going to have Tom Verducci, as I said, at six thirty. We'll play that for you if you missed it. Yes. Yesterday, we got Jeff Passan, who's going to join us today at 8.30 to talk about the Red Hot Rangers. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean the Red Hot Mariners. That will be at 8.30. And uh, yeah, some football with uh, cuts today as well. So don't go anywhere. It's going to be a pretty fun day, if it's not too boring. We'll give you everything you need to know next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Score early, score often, and then let your pitching staff just take it from there. It's a pretty good recipe for success and worked once again yesterday for the Mariners as they thumped the A's 7-0 to win their fourth in a row. Julio Rodriguez doing damage. Here's the set and the 1-1 on the way to Julio. Swing and a drive deep into center field. Butler going back, looking up. Goodbye baseball into the pen. Julio Rodriguez with his 24th home run of the season. Three RBIs on the night. It's now the Mariners six and the A's nothing. What a month. What a year. What a young career for Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, well said there, Rick. He has just been on fire once again with a home run. Three straight games. He doubled earlier in that game. He had two infield singles later. One of them where he just straight out beat a ground ball to third base, which was pretty incredible. Scott Service pretty impressed with his young star. What we're watching is really, it's historical. And I, it's crazy to say that, you know, um, for a player that's that young. But to do what he's doing span that he's done it for now like you said 28 hits in 10 days i didn't know that that's 
That's ridiculous. It's hard. It's, it's like when you're back in Little League and you can get a hit whenever you want. I never had that feeling, but Julio's doing it at the highest level. Um, and good for him. And good for the Mariners. Scott was a major league player for 10 years. Something tells me he got a few hits in the Little League, but whatever. Uh, Julio is on fire. The pitching was great yesterday as well. I really enjoyed watching Brian Wu. I thought that was a great sign for the next couple of weeks. They need him to be good because they're pretty much out of depth. Brian's got that in his game. You know, when he gets locked in, he doesn't overdo it. It's almost like it looks like he's just playing catch in the backyard. He does it so effortlessly and the ball is just jumping out from that you know unique slot that he has but what excites me most, he threw a lot of breaking balls at cutters for strikes tonight. When he does that with that type of fastball, he's going to have good results. I don't care who he's pitching against. So again, name of the game here is throw strike one. Uh, He's doing a really good job. All of our young guys doing a really good job of it. I remember yesterday Verducci was talking about Brian Wu's arm angle so I, I spent some time trying to watch it last night. I find it, even on television, very hard to pick up where he's throwing from, which I guess speaks to how challenging he must be to hit. But I was like, is it low? Is it he? Like, it's in a weird spot. I can't see exactly how his arm moves when he throws it. I can only imagine what it must be like trying to hit against the guy. So nice win for the Mariners. Oh, let's throw J.P. Crawford in there as well. as He has another leadoff home run. Unbelievable as he keeps adding to his career or, excuse me, uh, season high total. Unfortunately. The bad news. The only bad news last night. Everybody else won. Astros blow out Boston. Altuve hit for the cycle. Texas came back late to beat the Mets. That was annoying. And then Toronto dominated Washington. So Mariners stay a game up in the West. They will turn to George Kirby tonight against the immortal Ken Waldachuk and the A's. Here's the second thing you need to know. Big day across the NFL. Hundreds of players are going to be released from all 32 teams for the 1 o'clock deadline. Seahawks have already started that process. They released five more guys yesterday. Still no huge surprises. Although the one name I was a little intrigued by was undrafted rookie Tajon Lindsay, who looked pretty good running back kicks, but he was uh, one of the first guys to be released yesterday. They'll need to make 25 more cuts today, and there'll be some really difficult decisions to make. One of the big problems is trying to figure out who's healthy, who's going to be healthy, and specifically on that already thin defensive line. Brady Henderson joined us yesterday. You don't know who's going to end up on IR, and so you don't know. Uh, exactly how many spots they're going to have to fill. And that was one of the positions when I was doing my projection for ESPN.com the other day that was difficult because I don't know what's going to happen with Mike Morris. He's a guy that they drafted in the fifth round uh, with the expectation that he would be sort of one of their rotational defensive ends. He's missed a couple weeks now uh, with a shoulder injury. And we just really haven't seen uh, much of anything from him or from Cameron Young, for that matter, their fourth round pick uh, at nose tackle. And so, It sounds like Cameron Young is going to be healthy. He's been out with a calf injury. Uh, But Mike Morris, we don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, so that'll be a challenging position to try to figure out. They're also going to have a little debate, you would think, between Tyreek Smith and Levi Bell. If it's me, I know Levi Bell's been really effective at times and try-hard guy, and you love some of the you know versatility he brings. I just look at Tyreek Smith, and it's not like he's been bad. Moore pointed that out earlier, like, I don't know, I think I'm still probably going with Tyreek Smith and trying to get Levi Bell onto the practice squad, but we'll see what direction they go. More good news, Ian Rappaport, little update on Jackson Smith and Jigba, tweeting yesterday that he is expected to begin the season on the active roster rather than IR. That's good news. No word yet on his availability for week one, but that would be a sign that he will play soon. 
Here's the third thing you need to know. Elsewhere in the league, Kyler Murray is going to start the season on the PUP list. So that means he'll miss the first four weeks at least. Cardinals also released Colt McCoy yesterday. So they're going to go with either Josh Dobbs, who's been there for a week, or somebody named Clayton Toon, who I think Maura might have made up to confuse me here or make me look bad. As a, yeah, I, that sounds made up. Tune, huh? Well, those are their options for week one, but it's cool. Their head coach, Jonathan Gannon, who seems completely insane, says he's not going to name a starter because he doesn't want to give anybody a competitive advantage against them. Yeah. You know what would be nice would be to be playing them week one. The Washington Commanders have that distinct honor. And by the way, all the Seahawk killers are getting released this week. Not only Colt McCoy, but also John Wolford. He's available after the Bucks let him go yesterday. The Seahawks need to bring these guys and put them on their practice squad just to keep them from They're having from to play them. them, beating them like I don't want to see any. Matt Stafford, fine. Kyler Murray, no problem. I don't want any part of John Walford or Colt McCoy. These guys are Seahawk killers, and that's everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. I know you already know the answer to this, but who has more hits, Julio Rodriguez or Mookie Betts? Oh, my gosh. Wow. What a challenging question. Um, Julio yeah, Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez leads all AL in hits. Okay. As of today. And what's Mookie at? One less. One fewer. Wow. <laughs> well, that's going to be a battle. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe Julio goes to the top of the AL list. You think it's interesting that there have been three professional athletes named Mookie? Do I think it's interesting? Yeah. In three, uh, two different sports, I guess. You think that's kind of interesting? Uh, sure. Would you have guessed, like, if somebody said to you, hey, how, how many, many Mookies, how many Mookies have played professional sports? Do you think you would have guessed three? No, no. Right. No, maybe two. Maybe two. Right. Maybe I two. mean, like, one. Okay, fine. You, I'll take a Mookie Wilson now and again. Two, Mookie Blaylock. Okay, Fine, yeah, a little Mookie Blaylock in there, but Mookie Betts is overkill. It's not that weird. I know a Mookie, a Mookie that lives here. He was really? in the Macklemore video, the thrift shop video. All right, it still it seems what? like it seems like a fair amount of Mookies, <laughs> which is great. It's a great name. More Mookie. I'm I'm pro as many Mookies as we could get, as long as one of them isn't Mookie Wilson, who uh, helped break my heart when I was eight years old. All right, coming up next, uh, I mentioned Tom Verducci. He's been covering this game of baseball a long, long time, and he has some insights into this Mariner rotation that I have not heard anywhere else. Stick around; you'll hear him next. It's Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710. Get him, this, this is Brock and Salt. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting, Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salt. <laughs> You know, I love some of the sound in our open, Brock, but it's always embarrassing when you have someone like Tom Verducci waiting on the line, knowing that he's hearing you say things like, where are all the buff dudes dudes at or whatever. Sound like Aaron Andrews to Richard Sherman. (laughs) It's very embarrassing. Tom, I promise we're generally not so embarrassing, but thank you for taking a few minutes with us. Uh, We're, uh, as you might imagine, pretty excited in Seattle today. First time in 20 years the Mariners have been in first place at this stage of the season. How about that? Yeah, pretty cool. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's uh, it's really fun to see. I mean, listen, I didn't think they'd have a run like this in them, and they just keep it going. So let's see how long they can keep this run going. Now, let me play you something. I, I, I've played this a few times this morning. It's from Julio Rodriguez uh, over the weekend, and I think it's it's a very interesting way of viewing the team. He was asked about how hot the team is, and he wasn't buying it. Still, we're not hot. Like, I'm going to keep saying it. We're not hot. We're just playing the ball that I know we're capable of. I feel like every every single every single guy on this team that they know that what, what, what they're capable of, we, we all see each other preparing ourselves 
And I feel like that we're just playing the ball that we know we can. I feel like at the beginning of the year, everybody was, was seeing, oh, why is this, this team not playing like this? It just This is just who we are. So maybe it's a strange question, Tom, but are the Mariners hot? Yeah, they're hot. I mean, listen, since the All-Star break where they play more than 700 baseball, it's that's hot. Yeah, I mean, you can't do that for, well, I don't know, certainly not for six months, <laughs> but even for four months. But, you know, they're taking advantage of the schedule, and that's not a knock on, on teams when they do that because I feel like, you know, when you play some of the weaker teams, sometimes you feel like, for instance, last weekend with Kansas City, you don't want to just win the series. You want to sweep the series. And they've done that. I mean, they've kept the pedal down when they've had a, a series in hand. They'll, they'll close it out. So they've taken advantage of the schedule. Um, if you have any concerns about Seattle, I guess it is the schedule because they still have a losing record against winning teams. That's certainly going to be tested down the stretch in September. I mean, it all evens out over time. Um, but listen, I, I think this team is – they're playing – I'll say this. Offensively, I thought they were underperforming earlier in the season, so I get what Julio's saying there. It's a better offensive team than what they showed the first couple of months of the season. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying <laughs> that they're, they're going to win 70% of the games the rest of the way. But uh, I get where he's coming from, and they should feel that way, that this is who they are. Tom, where are all the buff dudes at? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding you. Um, ha- handicap the race for the final t- 32. Texas, Houston, Seattle. From your national perspective, handicap that for me. Yeah, uh, just on the strength of pitching, because I usually go pitching and defense to decide these close calls. I would say Seattle. I, you know, I think they have the best staff, one through 13. Um, now, it's funny. It seems like it's an American Legion tournament at the end of the year where, you know, Texas, Houston, Seattle all playing each other in those last 10 games. And uh, that ultimately will decide the division head to head. But yeah, I mean, right now, I would say I would take Seattle's pitching staff over the other two. And that's certainly no disrespect to Houston because, I mean, you have to respect their pedigree. They have a way of getting things done. They're getting Michael Brantley back probably this week. You know, it was really interesting. The other day I was doing an Astros game, and, and Dusty Baker was talking about his team and how important Michael Brantley is. And, you know, Brantley is a professional hitter, left-handed. You know, they have most mostly a right-handed lineup. I mean, you do have Alvarez and Tucker. But Brantley just kind of is that guy that's steady 300 hitter, puts the ball in play, keeps right-handed pitching honest. And Dusty specifically mentioned Seattle. I don't know whether he's looking forward to September or postseason possibly matchup, but he said Brantley is a guy we need against the Mariners because, I mean, he saw it in that weekend there where it's, you see the right-handed power pitching in Seattle. You better have some left-handed bats in the lineup that can turn around velocity. And Brantley turns out to be a key guy, at least in Dusty's mind, matching up against the Mariners. I love uh, what you did last week on, on the Mariners and sort of the uniqueness of this rotation. For those who didn't get a chance to hear it, maybe you could just sort of give us the, the Cliff Notes version. Why is this rotation maybe different from others? Yeah, it's interesting because this is a day and age. You guys know watching games every night, there are fewer fastballs thrown in this season than, than in the history of the game, really. And the Mariners are a team that have figured out that if you can kind of trick a hitter's eyes, in other words, have people who are throwing a baseball from angles that are different from the norm, that plays. And fastballs play. You look at the Mariners, of all the contending teams, they throw more fastballs than any other staff. And it's fastballs that are not just, you know, here it is, hit it, but so well placed and generally at the top of the zone. So they love guys who have extreme arm angles. I'm talking about mostly 
below the average release height. So that ball is coming from a lower release angle to the top of the strike zone. They call that vertical attack angle. And, you know, probably no one has a greater vertical attack angle than Brian Wu. But across the board, even their bullpen, they have guys who can run that ball up the top of the strike zone from a low release angle. And that plays in today's game. So on one hand, you look at the Mariners staff and you go, man, that's just a lot of right-handed pitching. Where are the lefties? I don't think that's a big deal, really, because they, they present such different looks. Even Logan Gilbert. I mean, he obviously is straight over the top, but with his height and the long stride that he has, he releases the ball a foot closer to home plate than any other pitcher. So that, and again, is something that's going to trick a hitter's mind. You know, hitting is so hard because you guys see it every night. The stuff that guys bring to the mound, the spin, the velocity, um, so they see all these different pitchers, and it hit, the way a hitter's mind works is you just take all that information, and it's called a, a chunking way of thinking, where you chunk all that information into what you perceive to be is the most likely the place that ball is going to wind up. So if you have pitchers like Seattle has who are throwing low-release point, high-release point, uh, long stride, it really confuses the hitter's general sense of where the ball is going to be, and that's why the Mariners get so much swing and miss. They get a lot of pop-ups. And as I said, even in their bullpen, I mean, you look at the bullpen numbers for Seattle, even after the trade of Seawalt, and it's, they're right in there in the top two or three in strikeouts out of the bullpen as well. So, I mean, listen, we're getting farther down the road, but when you think about postseason matchups, guys, I always look at can pitchers, can your pitchers get hitters out in the strike zone? Because you guys know that the, the hitter's concentration really locks into the postseason environment. Nobody gives away the bat. Guys really grind out at bats. Season on the line a lot of times. So you better have stuff that gets people out in the zone because you don't want to be walking people and creating rallies that way. And I think Seattle's stuff plays really well in the zone, just about as well as anybody. I put Tampa Bay up there in the, in the same vein. Well, actually, a lot of similarities in the two staffs, the way they run them between the Mariners and the, and the Rays. So, yeah, I know that's getting ahead, but I think they're a dangerous postseason matchup because of what they can present on the mound. Well, we'll see them here in just uh, a week or so on the on a big final long road trip for the Mariners to New York and down to Tampa to close that thing out. Uh, last thing for me, Tom. More than likely, Julio is going to be the American League Player of the Month. Historic stuff this month. If he continues on just a torrid pace here in the final thirty-two, it's Shohei's MVP, obviously to lose. But can he close that gap? Can he make a chase for it in September? I mean, he can definitely make a chase for it. Um, you know, if he does it for a first-place team, big hits down the stretch. I've seen a lot of guys win the MVP with huge second halves, whether it was, you know, a Chipper Jones, a Terry Pendleton going way back, uh, Mike Piazza. You know, there's guys who, you know, I think can put it away with huge Septembers because the games are more meaningful. I don't care what anybody says to me. Games in September do mean more because there's more urgency, right? There's less room to recover from a bad stretch. Uh, and it's the freshest thing on voters' minds. Now, that being said, it's going to be really, really difficult to see Shohei just because even if, and obviously he's not going to throw another pitch this season, his pitching numbers are so darn good. Um, wins above replacements can be tough for Julio to get to that number, almost near 10. So I would say it's still Shohei's to, to win, and it would be really hard. But, hey, listen, the way Julio's going right now, I think it's at least in the conversation, guys. And a month ago, I would have never have said that. I thought you could start engraving his name on the MVP trophy for Shohei about a month ago. Hey, we've talked here, uh, last thing for us here, Tom, we've talked before uh, on this show a ton about Scott Service, who's kind of been ignored in the manager of the year voting the last few years. Not necessarily for the award, but do you think Scott's getting close to getting some of that national respect yet? 
Yeah, I hope he does. He reminds me a lot of Craig Council. And I say that because both teams are designed to play close games. And I know a lot of people will look at one run, two run games and say that's the residue of luck. You know, things can bounce one way or another. But when you have a manager and a team that consistently wins those kind of games, there's something going on. And I think in both cases, it's bullpen management. It seems like both guys council and, and service uh, do a good job with bullpens because they don't overuse guys. Um, you know, they go to the bullpen a lot, but not individually putting too much of a workload on guys. That's a huge part of winning those close games. So yeah, I, I think service is at that point where he should be getting more national attention because of the way the Mariners play. I mean, listen, they're, they're a good offensive team. They're a little better than they were last year. They still strike out a little too much for me, like Minnesota and Seattle to me is, a scary amount of strikeouts in the lineup. But that being said, I, I think the way they play fundamental baseball and, as I said, bullpen management, that's got a lot to do with the manager. So he should deserve some credit, uh, probably more than he's been getting. And maybe this run the, the Mariners are on will get him some of that. What year did you first start covering baseball? 1982. And I'm sure in 1982 you were imagining a time when you'd be talking about attack angle, vertical attack angle for pitchers. <laughs> you'd be coming on to talk to us early this season about Kelnick and the swing changes he'd made. I'm sure yeah. it's just what you were expecting when you got into this business. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We didn't know what we didn't know back then. Like I remember guys like Kurt Schilling, and I was like, man, how does this dude get people to swing and miss? When I look at his fastball, and it's not moving at all. It's the straightest fastball I've ever seen. Well, if we had the metrics back then, I'm sure we would have figured out that he had an incredible vertical attack angle and an awesome spin rate because his fastball just held his plane and guys swung underneath it. Pretty cool. We just didn't know. I just thought it was an optical illusion. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty cool. Tom, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking a few minutes. We're having a lot of fun here in Seattle, and hopefully we get a chance to see you guys in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the ride, guys. All right, there you go. The great Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated and MLB Network and Fox and just sort of one of the deans of the keyboard, one of the uh, one of the uh, big-name baseball writers around the country. And it's been pretty fun. Look, when the Mariners are on the front page of ESPN.com and Julio last night is on Scott Van Pelt and, you know, they're a story right now. Uh, we get an opportunity, a little extra opportunity to talk to some folks like Tom. Uh, Buster Only is going to join us tomorrow morning at 7.30. I saw Buster did a little rewrite of uh, the trade deadline a month later. So we'll talk to Buster tomorrow morning at 7.30. Scott Service, he's the manager of this Wiley Bunch, going to join us at 9.30 tomorrow. And then, of course, Jerry DePoto at uh, at, uh, 8.30 on Thursday. Oh, and I shouldn't forget Jeff Passan. He's the great expert. We all are very, very in love with Jeff, and he will join us today at 8.30. (laughs) Can't wait for that. He was very mouthy last week, so we'll see. He was. Uh, Are you going to tee him up again, Maura, like you did last week, talking trash about me behind the scenes? You sold me out last do week. You, it's fine. Do you want to tell him that last week he was the worst guest of the day? <laughs> I, didn't I already tell him that? Oh, no, because we haven't talked to show, That's yeah. true. Yeah. No, I'll tell him that. He got totally <laughs> outdone by Josh Rojas. Is giving guest information about what's going on here and what they should expect in their interview, throwing someone under the bus. Just yeah. Good, that's just good producing. Yeah, I think that's exactly I what I would call it. Uh, I do have some sound, some national sound about the Mariners. Would you like to hear? Do you think Mariners are getting a lot of respect? right now nationally. Let me take you to PTI, where Tony Kornheiser was debating whether or not the Mariners were the story in terms of what they've accomplished in the last month and a half here, or the Rangers are the story because of uh, how poorly they've played. Here's Tony Kornheiser. Texas 
is now one and nine in their last 10, even with Corey Seager hitting about 700. Let me just pause it for a moment. When you hear Tony Kornheiser say one and nine, don't you have a pretty good idea where this is going? (laughs) When you hear the New York accent on the very first sentence, don't you have a pretty good idea which direction this is going to go? It sounds like Baba Booey, one and nine. Hold on. Texas is now one and nine in their last 10, (laughs) even with Corey Seager hitting about 700. Texas was in first place in a tough division, the AL West, for 111 days. Texas is the only team, I think they're the most surprising team in baseball, and they're the only team that spent a tremendous amount of money that was actually doing well, whereas the Mets and the Padres and the Yankees had gone down the drain. I mean, I think all of these things work in congruence and it makes texas the better the better story you don't you really don't i mean if you were writing for sports illustrated you'd write texas instead of seattle i would write julio rodriguez unless i was tony kornheiser finding misery finding misery in every otherwise sunny story available to me yes (laughs) was that verducci after that uh, Pablo Torre. That was Pablo He sounds he just like Verducci, doesn't he? Did. He? he did. That was crazy. That was really surprising. So, all right, look, there's a lot of interesting things in there. Uh, I say the uh, the the Kornheiser thing with love because he is truly one of the greats in our business and has done an unbelievable job. I think you have to, at this point, say that Philadelphia is the other team that yeah. spent money that's doing really well. They had a really slow start. They are 12 and a half games back of Atlanta, so let's not get carried away. But 73 and 58, very good team. They're going to make the playoffs as a wild card. You got to give Philadelphia its due. Now, I will note, Trey Turner's still not been good. But I thought I've been seeing that he has been turning it around. He's been turning it around, but like, you know, that Trey Turner has a lower war than Jose Caballero. That's really odd. Right? I mean, so like, yeah, he's turned it around a little, but that's yeah, sort, 255. Yeah, that's sort of part of the part of the story there. Anyway, I'll give Philadelphia credit. And then obviously you were giving Texas credit uh, as the other team that spent money and was winning. Now they're not. And uh, that is definitely, to me, part of the story that is very interesting. But to sit here and say, oh, all I'm going to do is talk about Texas. If I wrote for SI, that'd be more interesting than Seattle. I mean, I I don't know that that's true. Texas was surprising at the beginning of the year, and now they've dropped off. I'm not surprised. They weren't that good to begin with. They're good, but they're not that good. They weren't as good as they were earlier this year. And much like the Mariners are benefiting right now from playing against some teams with bad records, the, the Rangers had exactly the same story earlier this year. When they were on their great run, they were playing and beating up on Kansas City and Chicago and Oakland and some of the same teams that the Mariners have been beating up on here for the last month. So I'm not trying to take anything away from the Rangers. They're, an, they're a good team, but they're not a great team. And I think you've been seeing that over the course of the last month and a half, two months, as they've had to play against some better competition. So uh, respect to Tony Kornheiser, but I will uh, respectfully disagree with his take. Now, I also have Steve Phillips, former general manager of the New York Mets, who was on MLB Network, asked if the Mariners are peaking too early. Saw the numbers for their starting pitching ERA, their bullpen ERA, the offense has come to life. The only question is, are they peaking too early? Uh, you know, we think about Texas. Texas is one of those teams that's hit this low, but maybe this is the time to hit a low where you still have time to come back, get the momentum, and push it through October. As you said, I think this playoff race is going to be unbelievable because Seattle's playing out of their mind, but can they keep playing this way? Yeah. I mean, he should listen to Julio, right? 
All Steve's got to do is turn around and listen to Julio Rodriguez. Julio will tell you they haven't even peaked yet. Still, we're not hot. Like, I'm going to keep saying it. We're not hot. We're just playing the ball that I know we're capable of. I feel like every every single every single guy on this team that they know that we're, what, what they're capable of, we we all see each other preparing ourselves. And I feel like that we're just playing the ball that we know we can. I feel like at the beginning of the year, everybody was, was seeing, oh, why is this, is this team not playing like this? It just This is just who we are. They're not hot. Peaking too early. Very simple. Julio will tell you they haven't even peaked. <laughs> can you can you buy that? Is there any part to... of you that could buy that argument? As I said, they've won 20 of their last 24 games, and the four games that they've lost in that process have all been in the final inning of the game. Do you believe that the Mariners have yet to peak? I don't want I don't want I don't know how to answer that. No. No. They've peaked. I, they're, or they're I at mean, their peak right now. This is as well as they can play. It's Impossible hard to get better to than what they're doing. Right? When, when you see them every get, like every other day breaking records that were set in the 20s and 30s, <laughs> it's like, okay. Like when I saw uh, Lefko tweet this last night, it, something happened that Julio did that Lefty O'Doul hadn't done. Lefty O'Doul didn't do it? And it's like, oh, okay, then yeah, that's probably starting to hit peak levels of production. What's the, here, uh, right? what's the fake name that... Uh, tungsten Armo Doyle? <laughs> <laughs> tungsten Armo Doyle. Yeah. Uh, I will say... It's hard to get hotter, obviously, than they are right now, even though Julio says they're not hot, and I agree with him. There are guys who have yet to heat up. Like, the one thing I will say is, can you imagine if Ty France got hot? He has not at Mm -hmm. any point, really, this year. But what if, for a three-, four-week stretch, you got 2021 Ty France? You think that would change what this lineup looked like for a little while? Well, it would probably come with losing super hot Teoscar Hernandez or something like that. But it's it's things like that that still give me a little hope that this is not a you know hot streak that is going to come crashing to earth. Julio may not do what he's doing right now forever, but there's no reason to expect Julio Rodriguez isn't going to continue to be a good player. Eugenio Suarez has been good during this stretch, but he hasn't been as good as he can be. Ty France has not really done jack, right? So kind of look at the guys on their team. Obviously, the bottom of the lineup has been really great, but JP's sustainable. Julio's sustainable. There's more in there for Suarez. There's more in there for Ty France. Jared Kelnick hasn't returned yet, and we've seen what he's capable of when he gets himself on a little heater. So I don't know. I'm not going to tell you that, that the best is yet to come for the Mariners, but their starting pitching has been as consistent as it could possibly be all year. Their bullpen is not at its absolute best right now, as their top two guys in it are not 100%. And I still think there's a few guys in this roster that you're kind of waiting to see if they can, you know, turn to their full form. Swore has been good. That's not to take away from what Gino's done. But he hasn't been as good as he can be. And France obviously can be significantly better than he's been. We'll see what happens. And it's not like all these other teams are operating in a vacuum. Like everybody else is getting hot and getting cold and getting hurt or getting barely coming back or maybe doing their rehab start soon here too. So it's not just can the Mariners stay hot and keep pace. It's like can the other teams also keep pace? Well, and, it's and not the, they have been robots. getting hurt, right? I mean, Blue Jays just lost a couple Chapman more guys. Did I see? Did you read the, the story yesterday that uh, Vlad Jr. was taking balls at third base? I didn't. Dude's like 400 pounds. He's going to look like Pablo Sandoval over there. But he is taking some balls at third base because Chapman went on the IL yesterday. 
So we'll see what that looks like. Is that going to help the Blue Jays be better? Right. Probably not. I mean, we just talked this morning about Bautista from uh, Baltimore. Baltimore's going yeah. down. Like, Although you kind of need Baltimore to help take out some of those teams. True. Like, we just went out right. at this point. Kind of like Baltimore to just kind of keep doing its thing. The difference between the first and second seed is not very significant. I asked yesterday, is there of the three teams that are kind of right there with you, who are you rooting against hardest at night? Houston, Texas, or Toronto? I think I'm rooting against Houston the hardest. Right. Because of just the actual dislike for them? Or is it more than that? From a matchup standpoint, I think that those two teams play each other better than, at least in the past, right? We have smaller. um, Jeez, this year it hasn't looked like that, though, right? I mean, this year, obviously. I just know we're in their head. I just, I think I'd rather take down Houston. Oh, so you want to see Houston in the playoffs rather than Texas? Uh, Yeah, I'd rather face Houston in the playoffs than Texas. Okay. So you're rooting against Texas the most? Yes, I guess the answer. Yes, I, now that I reverse engineer it, yes, I'm rooting okay. against Texas. Yes, yeah. Mora. <laughs> Mora's like I'm still rooting against the Orioles, well, no, and I'm got, rooting like, against the Jays. Trying like, to get the Red Sox in there. It took me a minute. I was like, oh, I'm rooting against because I want to. I want to beat the Astros. I'm rooting for, against the Rangers still more than anybody else, just because oh, I'm me. Because but you want to be right. <laughs> you already are like. That's awful. You're already in that boat, and you just want to. <laughs> Yeah, keep I mean, I think I've, that river. I've sort of yeah. jumped in with you, both feet. Yeah, you like, pushed, you've pushed off from shore. There's, there's really no not much back. I can do at this point. That That's left without me, and I'm I just mean, sort of... I just think there's such a history with the Astros. Yeah. You, like, you want to see them fail. Yeah. But maybe you want to take them out yourselves. The Blue Jays have the easiest schedule down the stretch, so there is something to be said for making sure that the Blue Jays miss as many games as possible. Uh, I, I kind of feel the opposite of you, Judd. Like, I would rather see the Rangers in a five-game series than, than I would the Astros. And I know that you've obviously beaten up on Houston this year, and their pitching's not what it was. Mm-hmm. What is it that I, I is just, most? Is it, why is that? Like what Alvarez are you most isn't what of? he was too. He was so scary last year. Yeah, he'd be real scary in the playoffs. Trust me. Like I don't. They've been scoring <laughs> like fifteen runs a game the last few days. I still think he'd be pretty darn scary if you get to the playoffs. So yeah, I got a. I got about a million different Mariners conversations for today. There's just a couple of them. Yes, I'm probably rooting the hardest for me. I know this is just probably me being like typical sulk, uh, trying to be different, but rooting against Texas the most, then Toronto, then Houston. Oh, we've got a coach on the text line, 360. I'm rooting against the Athletics because that's who we play tonight, one yeah, game at a time, guys. There we go. Thanks, Coach 360. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what we needed. Well, I'm rooting against the other teams as well, unfortunately. Didn't help last night as all three teams that you're competing against found a way to win also. Brock's going to be here. We'll come right back and discuss the not-hot Mariners. It is Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.